Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to the ABCs of RPGs, where we teach you the basics of tabletop role-playing games. Welcome to a very special edition where we're reviewing kind of like the last adventure we just went on, The Edge of Darkness for Call of Cthulhu, as well as kind of like going over the chase rules for Call of Cthulhu, because we messed up them a little bit earlier, but we're going to go through them today. But before we get any further, my name's Spencer. I am the Keeper of Arcane Lore, and I'm joined by my players... Dan. What's up, everyone? Uh, I'm Dan, and uh, Spencer is not the keeper of arcane lore. He is Babe. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. I'm Ashley. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I played a character named Irene Whitmore in the Call of Cthulhu campaign, and she was fun to play. I, I enjoyed it overall. But we'll get more into that. And then last but not least, we have Christian. Hello. My name is Christian, and I am... Or my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I played Butcher Blevins. Butcher was his first name, I know. Um, pretty on point. Um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely fun. I missed out on the first session. Uh, so a bit of role-playing there, but... Uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to take this character on another adventure if we get to. Oh, yeah. So our main uh, guy, uh, Dalton, isn't here today. So I am testing the audio right now, which is why I have my cell phone right next to my face. And I think our audio is okay. But if there's any issues throughout the stream, please drop it in the chat. We will see it on stream. So uh, appreciate your uh, your patience when we kind of work through this and make sure everything sounds good so but uh yeah without further ado um we can hop right into kind of make like sure the chase good. rules and everything uh are you are you guys listening to the stream as well to make sure it sounds good <laughs> yeah i was going on <laughs> uh so uh well uh, if you like what we could do is we could start off with our get to know you question for all of our characters, like we usually do, just to kind of start off the bat, and then we can roll right into it. So, does anybody want to roll me a D250? Oh. Nose goes. <laughs> Christian! Christian. Um, I'm sorry, I don't uh, As a side note, for yeah. me, when uh, I have Twitch pulled up, uh, yeah. I don't see anybody's video. Oh yeah. no! Oh, I fixed it for 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 one, and I didn't fix it for the other. So okay, uh, while you guys are are gonna be looking up the stuff, let me fix the video real quick in here. Yeah, that that yep. Because when you go to the new screen, is when it yep yep. Uh, Christian, you roll that d twenty or two fifty. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wow, my whole face. Yeah, that's cool. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to get it. Forty. Forty. Okay. Pretty, pretty good roll for two fifty. Yeah, that is. I feel like you would have succeeded on that skill check. Yeah. <laughs> if it was out of two forty or two fifty, yeah, definitely. Okay. The I still can't see anybody's I, face except for I know. Yours. Ash, I'm fixing it. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, I, I was going to the question. So You're the, doing great, babe. Thank you. The question is, what is there one job you'd never, ever, 
do? Ooh. It's a good question. I will never work for Enterprise Rent a Car again. <laughs> <laughs> never again. Hmm. Did they have rental car businesses in the 20s? Of course. Of course. It's rent a horse. Wasn't Enterprise the first? I, it was one of the first, first for sure. And it was like 50 something. Yeah. So it wasn't until the 50s. Okay, there. That well, grave digger. Yeah, I'd never do that. Never be a grave digger. Yeah, I'd never be a grave digger. That's a good one. Now, is this? Well, I guess Dan uh, in 1920s and Dan you now is one the same. So <laughs> both would be the same answer, right? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, Irene, the cop out answer is any job because she does not have a job. Um, but really it would be anything where she'd get dirty, menial, meatpacking, not her thing. So as much as she likes Butcher, she would never work for him. Not her bag, man. <laughs> hmm. I think with Butcher... Um, I think Butcher would probably, Butcher would be fine with, you know, the dirty jobs because that is something that Butcher is used to. Yeah. But, and, and with owning his own, his, his own storefront, his own business, um, I think Butcher would have a hard time enjoying the office life, working yeah, under, so. under a boss and working in a clean environment. It's just something... And to wear, weird. like, a suit and tie. Yeah. Like, you know. How, you know, like, uh... Down and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so you think of, like... I, I think of, like, Upton Sinclair in the jungle and all of that nastiness when I think really? of, like, meat packing and butchering back in the day, yeah. like... How sanitary is Butcher's Butcher Shop? Are there rats in the sausage? Uh, oh, it's it's definitely not not <laughs> great. I mean, he's done some some work in the back rooms with some otherworldly corpses. So, you oh know, my it, gosh, who who knows what's the Eldritch special? So yeah, I mean, rats are like that's premium meat. <laughs> it's from this plane <laughs> uh yeah it's from this flight right like um that's yeah, funny it's like yeah maybe there's exotic specials you could include <laughs> here we've got this nice tentacle from uh cthulhu himself <laughs> no just make up a name just go like and that's like a, that's Malibu. a thing yeah that's <laughs> that's a thing it's a thing now. <laughs> totally a thing now. Definitely does not cause madness upon consumption. No, no. <laughs> Never. If the, if if anything, it just draws out the madness that was already there. <laughs> oh. hey. uh, so uh, calamari. <laughs> so Dan, you said um, uh, grave digging. Irene, yeah. Irene said no meat packing. 
something like blue collar getting dirty, but meatpacking <laughs> was like the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. And then Butcher can't um can't hold an office job. No, no, no suit and tie for him. Yeah. What about you, Arcane Keeper of Lore? Oh, if I was in 1920s? Yeah, when you said uh the zoo, I was immediately like, oh my gosh. Like I if I was in 1920s, I feel like I'd get like stuck doing like meat packing or working in some sort of factory. Maybe a mine. Maybe I would like be like shoved down in a mine and I would hate that. I'd be like nice and skinny. What? That'd be good for you. I had, but I had asthma true. when I was younger. I feel like I'd get black That's lungs. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I'd cough up my lungs before I was twenty-five. You'd work yeah. out. You'd pop them up at 15 because they put you in the mines at eight. <laughs> An oil rig, you said, Christian? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that would be uh, pre pretty rough as well. Yeah. But better on your lungs, I guess. You'd just be dirty all around. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, so. Uh, we, we had a little bit of a chase scene in, in, uh, Edge of Darkness, where basically it was supposed to be, like, Butcher was tailing the party, and then, uh, they got in their car and they kind of zoomed off and stuff like that, and I didn't do it correctly, so I, I want to make sure that we kind of, like, I, I'm able to kind of explain the rules, because I think the chase rules are pretty cool, just like a lot of, like, Call of Cthulhu, it, it seems complicated at first, but once, like, everything is put together, it kind of makes sense. So, I'll kind of, like, put all this together and, and kind of explain to you kind of how this works. So, let's do a hypothetical scenario where you guys are being tailed by a goon! <laughs> a what? A goon. What's that? <laughs> Just a just a hoodlum, a gangster. Yeah. Uh... Oh, I thought it was a type of monster. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope, it's yeah, yeah, a, a human monster, but uh, a monster nonetheless. <laughs> a henchman, right? Henchman, yes. Hired man. Hired man. So let's say like you guys were you you ha we were at a location like let's say you're at the library, right? So. You're at the library, and like you start to leave, and some goon starts to tail you, and you 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 start running away, right? So that initiates the chase because this goon's coming after you, uh, and you guys are trying to get away. So the first thing we start off with is we even see if if there's a chase in place because if you guys are all faster than what this goon can go then there's no there's going to be no chase which is pretty cool because it rewards you for being quick and fast characters so the first thing we're going to look at is everybody got a movement speed at the beginning if you guys remember so that's what i have like the numbers on the board right here is is the different types of speed we have eight in the middle we have seven and we have nine and i have six and ten on here because uh, you'll see here in a minute, we might be faster or slower, depending on certain roles. So, does everybody remember 
what movement speed they were, and can you put your character token above what your movement speed is? Uh... And we can look that up if you guys need a refresher. Dan, I think you were a seven, if I remember correctly. Yeah, mine was like really small. We'll say you're a seven. <laughs> mine was nine. Yeah, because you were super fast. Christian, do you remember what Butcher's was? It was you said it was move, right? Yeah, your movement rate. Yeah, it's seven. It's seven? Okay, so you're kind of slow. Too. Was seven. All right. So I'm moving Dan and Butcher to seven, Irene to nine. Uh, we're going to say this goon, he's going to have the average movement rate of eight. But depending on rolls here, you guys might still escape. So everybody go ahead and make a constitution roll because this is going to be like how how much you're kind of keeping up if you can kind of last in in this right in this kind of running away right now. So everybody is going to make a a constitution roll. Even the goon. And the goon passed his. <laughs> and um, just track what type of success you have or failure, and I'll kind of tell you what kind of happens from there. Yeah. So that's a pretty big fail. That's a big fail. <laughs> that, that's a, that, is that a fumble? No, that's one off of a fumble. No. Yeah. It was a constitution roll. Yeah. Uh, mine is a regular success. Regular success. I rolled okay. a 43. 43. I'm okay. trying to log into roll 20. I apologize. It's all right. You roll. I... So how this works is on a success for this constitution roll at the very beginning, your movement rating is normal. So, like, if if everybody succeeded, everybody would stay where they're at, which which would be Dan and Butcher at seven, the Goon at eight, Irene at nine. Um, if it was an extreme success, everybody would get everybody who got extreme success would get a plus one movement. So, did anybody get an extreme success? I don't think so, right? No. Okay. Well, that's Can okay. And then on failure, you have a minus one. To your move. So, uh, Christian, did you fail as well? Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go down to six. Yeah, both of you. I'm gonna move. Whoops. I accidentally grabbed the seven. Yeah, move you guys down to six. And then, Irene, did you fail? I had a normal success. Okay, so you stay at nine. You didn't get an extreme, so you don't go up to ten, but you stay at nine. So you're gonna be key in this in this uh, chase scene. And I'm going to say the goon, he failed his roll, so he's at seven. So. How this kind of works from here is... Ashley, your video is frozen for me, by the way. I don't know what happened. It's frozen for me, too. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe turn on and off the camera. Okay. You tried turning it off and on again. Oh no. Maybe unplug the camera and plug it back in? Have you tried unplugging it? <laughs> 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 Do 
technical difficulties. It's, it's so funny because yeah, I still run into issues with that where I'm like, oh, I think it's more complex of an issue. So I dive into the more complexities. Yeah. And I don't think to like, I really should just I mean, read huh. or try for updates. And then yeah. one of those things fix it. And I'm like, why did I think too hard about this right <laughs> so here's how how we kind of so after we do um these kind of rules and we kind of determine like what our speeds are we uh we do uh movement so hold on one second Let's see locations yeah so from here we give everybody uh oh uh what i'm gonna do is yeah so we give each other movement actions. So how this starts, the easiest way to remind uh, to remember about like, oh, how many movement actions do I get? How fast am I going? All that kind of stuff. The slowest participants get one movement action. And from every point higher, they get an additional movement action. So right now, Dan and Butcher, just remember you guys have one movement action. And I'll, I'll kind of describe what, what, that, what you can do with that here in a second. But you guys have one. The goon here, because he's one ahead of you guys, gets two movement action. So he's going to be moving two per turn. Um, possibly. Or or doing other stuff. He he kind of gets to move a little bit quicker because or uh, because he's doing that. Now, Irene. Irene is so speedy. She doesn't get three movement action. She gets four. Dang. Yeah. She's quick. She's going to be hopping all over the place. Which kind of makes sense in character because she dances and she's all like kind of like dexterous and stuff like that. So that's okay. The reason why this is set up this way is because um, it's kind of like making the chase enticing and kind of like setting up the speed because that's how it would be normally. But let's say, you know, we're, keep keep all your movement actions and movement in, in mind for right now. But let's say we were back right here. And let's say both Dan and Butcher got an extreme success. Unlikely, but let's say they did. And the goon... Unlikely. Sorry. And the goon failed like he did, right? That would mean that the goon is slower than the slowest, like, uh, uh, it's called pursuers and, and, uh, escapees, I think. I think it's what they're called. Or pursued. But anyways, the pursuers would be the the pursuers would be slower than the the slowest person in the party. So that means the chase wouldn't happen. That means you guys escape. That means you guys get away. But because we have this situation where whoops, where uh the slowest uh, the goon is faster than both Dan and Butcher, we initiate the chase. Is, are you guys following along so far? Do you have any questions about that? So the so basically, before you even have a chase, you need to determine that a chase even happens, and because yes. Butcher and I are slow, mm -hmm. chase is happening. Boom, that's exactly right, Dan. So now that you guys have your movement actions, which Butcher and Dan have one, the goon has two, Irene has four. Now I'm gonna arrange you in in kind of like on the location. So if you look kind of below, you'll see this kind of like the same kind of like thing. I made before um when we were doing the chasing before and this is where I was getting some some things right same things wrong so basically each of these lines represents a location how the book actually shows it and by the way we're on page 132 
of the uh, Keeper Handbook, which is an important thing to note because I also got confused. There are the ex there are the the detailed rules and the summary rules, and the detailed rules are at the beginning at page one thirty four where the summary rules are like back in the end of the book at like page 400 and something. And I was trying to read that and it does not tell you the details. So please start at page 132 and read through the rules so you kind of understand this. But um, but basically how the how the book describes it is it just has dots on like a sheet. And it, those are the different locations that you guys are going to be traveling to as you're trying to get away from your pursuer. So usually how it starts is the 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 pursuer is pr about one location behind or uh like uh one location behind or sorry there's one location between you guys and the pursuer and Irene's a bit faster so I'm gonna say she's all the way up here <laughs> but, but I'll I'll kind of describe things here in a second so basically how I'm setting it up is that we have the pursuer back here at the library. Um, and I'll reveal the locations you guys have been to already. There was at this location, a, like a like a crossway, like a crossroads. Um, the location that Dan and Butcher are currently at is a narrow alleyway. Uh oh, OPS got disconnected. Well, it's still recording and it should be reconnecting here soon. So let me see what's going on. Tech. Difficulties, technical difficulties, difficulties. Yeah, your guys' internet is having some issues today, I think. I don't know what's going on. Apparently. Yeah. We pay for the good shit, too. All right. oh, you gotta love it. You have gigabit? Uh, half a gig. That was uh, the fastest we could get. Yeah. Let's see. So this is trying to reconnect. I'm not sure if I should stop the stream and re redo it or Well, the stream is stopped on Twitch, so Okay. I would just stop it on OBS. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're back live again. <laughs> so, oh, hey, everybody. This is why, this is why Dalton does it. Because, because obviously, he's way better at, at doing this than I am. So, Thank you so much for your patience. I just realized that my camera needs to be adjusted, so I'm adjusting it. Perfect. Okay, cool. Also, I'm going to lower my voice down just a tidge bit. Because I think I was a little bit loud. But okay, anyways, we're back at it. Where did we leave off, guys? I think I was saying that... Okay. <laughs> I think I was saying that the goon is two locations behind. So he's at the library. Then there is a crossroads between you. And then Dan and Butcher are currently in a narrow alleyway. Uh, Irene, as you raced ahead before you started to realize, oh no, I've left my teammates behind. You recognize that at this location here is a locked door 
that you were able to kind of squeeze in between because you're <laughs> you're uh, you're dexterous and you're skinny, teeny tiny. Yeah. yeah. Or if you have a different reason why you were able to get through, but and you're at this location, which is a warehouse. So you're you're kind of like among you maybe you like stopped and you got behind some barrels and crates. You're like, wait a second. Oh, crap. I left them behind. So but it's going to be very good uh, uh, that you have so many movement points that even though you're way ahead, you're going to be just fine because um, here's what you guys can do. So essentially, we're going to go in order of our dexterity, just like everything else. So let me add in the goon here. I'm going to say he has a 60 dexterity. So he's going to go in between Irene and you guys. But basically, you guys know that uh, your amount of actions you have per turn. Here's what you can do per turn. Basically, you can move forward in the chase, meaning you guys can go to the location. You guys are currently in the narrow alleyway. You can spend one action to move forward to go to the locked door location, which probably what you guys are going to be doing the whole time is just trying to use your one action to get ahead as far as you can, which makes sense. But um, you can also initiate one attack using the fighting firearms or drive auto skill. You can cast a spell, or you can perform some other action requiring time. If, for example, a dice roll or picking a lock. Now, I'm going to go into details here in a second about uh, hazards and um, about what some hazards require time and what don't. But uh, we'll get to that here in a second. So um, we're at the beginning of the round here, and we're going to start with Irene. So Irene, you have four movement actions, movement actions, because mm -hmm. you are super quick and super speedy. So you're all the way at the front here, but you recognize, right. you remember that there's a locked door in between you and Dan and Butcher in the narrow alleyway. So Can I try to open the door sure can so what you can do is you can spend one movement action to go back to the locked door location then you can like spend to... a movement action to try to lock pick it i would like to do that okay go ahead oh we lost, lost christian, christian. <laughs> uh when i'm in roll 20 yeah I am on the screen where we were at at the end with oh, property. I didn't drag you guys to this. Sorry. Here we go. <laughs> now you should be in the right location. Thank you. That's helpful. Oh, no. So all I of our screens are off. <laughs> we are just having a technical difficulty day. That's why Marvin. That's why Marvin, our technician. Dalton can't leave. <laughs> Dalton can't leave because stuff like this happens. Dalton can't leave. Are you okay, Christian? Yeah, I just the entire Discord froze. Twitch was I. I was seeing you guys. I was seeing myself frozen. Seeing you guys talk away. Yeah, Discord was totally froze for me. So <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a day. Yeah. It, it is a day. <laughs> it's all right. So, uh, so Irene, uh, I need to move Irene back to spot nine. Then yes, please. Oh, sorry, the numbers don't correlate with the locations. You can just refer to them as, like, the locked door location, essentially. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I can't move Irene. Okay. Uh, did you say she's at nine? Do you see, like, the, the doors in the narrow alleyway that's below everything? 
Yes. But uh, yes, you moved her to where I wanted her to be. Okay, cool. So she's there. Yes. So go um, ahead. So that's one. And then I need to pick the lock. Or just let you know, there's a variety of different ways. A hazard is just a hazard. Just because of the locked door, you can use lock picking. You can try to smash it down. You can do all sorts of different stuff, whatever you like to do. Um, okay. I can't dance it down. I can't charm it down. I can't pay for it to go down. I can't dodge it down. Yeah. I can't convince it to go down. I could shoot it. You could. You could. You could shoot the lock. Um, I could shoot the lock. Yeah, shoot the lock. Um, <coughs> that seems like the only thing I can do. So that would be rolling... That is a barely a success for me, but it is a success. Okay, perfect. Cool. All right. You shoot the lock and the lock explodes. The door swings wide open. So it's going to be wide open for your friends, uh, Dan and Butcher. But also, if the goon falls in close behind, uh, he's he, he'll be able to get through the door as well. So. so I used two of my four movement points. You yeah, you did. So can I look for something to barricade the door after these people come through? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, that's a very good idea. Like, essentially, like a door block to kind of, like, um... If they yeah, like a chair, a box, a pallet, something like that to, like, shove in front of the door. Yeah, I'm gonna say go ahead and make probably a spot hidden roll. Okay. To kind of look for... Look for something that's that's good to use. Um, I'm gonna push my roll. All right. So I'm gonna say here's here's what the conditions are. Okay, if you push it, you are gonna find a chair, but it's gonna be in the warehouse. So you'll have to spend like if you succeed, you find it here. If you fail, you have to go back, uh, spend to the warehouse. A, to to the warehouse you basically use three movement points. One to go back to the warehouse, one to grab the chair, one to bring it back. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's right. That seems fair. Yes. <laughs> you got that chair. And basically, are you just going to be at the ready to close the door and, and, and seal and it up? It like underneath the handle so he can't open it. Yeah. Perfect. So I want to like stand kind of around the corner with the chair. So as soon as my two comrades come through the door, I shove it under. Perfect. All right, you do so. That's great. So next up is the goon's turn because his dex is 60. So he has two movement points. So he's going to move to the to the, the, the crossroads and then there's no hazards there. So he's just going to move and he's going to be where you guys are in the narrow alleyway. But he's all out of movement points, so he can't attack. He can't do nothing like that. He's just he's just in the narrow alleyway. Like maybe you guys are halfway through, and he's like at the back or something like that, you know. So then we're gonna get to butcher. So butcher, what are you going to do this turn with your one movement action? All right, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm running. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to get to that door. Cool. So there are two types of hazards that I like to think of. You know, the 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 keeper handbook doesn't really go into it, but I like to think that there are hazards that take time. 
like a movement action to do and there are hazards just to go through stuff that's it's just an automatic roll doesn't cost any other movement so i'm gonna say because it's a narrow alleyway go ahead and make a dexterity check to kind of navigate through Ooh. this this kind of right. narrow alleyway without it slowing you down and this is just happening just because you're trying to move through the location it's not like the locked door oh is that a fail okay so unfortunately it's gonna take two movement to get through this alleyway because you failed your roll so um, all right so next turn you can just spend your movement like normal you don't have to make another roll but you get through the location okay all right cool and then next up we have dan dan what are you doing yeah i'm gonna um (laughs) i'm gonna do what christian did perfect make a dexterity check that's a fail ah okay i'm going to push it you're gonna push it okay yeah um if you fail it's gonna take three movement action to get through this the 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 narrow alleyway but if you don't then you get through it you get through and you go to the locked door location All right, oh. fail. Oh, oh, oh. oh, no. oh Dan okay. is trailing behind. Okay. All right, all right. That's okay, that's okay, that's okay. All right, so now that everybody's moved their, their movement actions, we're back to the top of the order. So, Irene, you're up at this door. You've been waiting for a little bit, but your friends are still here. So here's some of the things you can do. You can run back to try to, like, you know, throw some more obstacles in the way of the goon. Or you can fight back to try to like slow them down or protect your teammates. Or you can stay at the door and kind of like just wait for them to run by, by and then stuff it up. The world is your oyster. Are there any like? So I've got my chair with me. Yep. Is there anything nearby that I can throw? Uh, sure. Yeah, there's probably like some rocks um, that you can definitely throw if you want something a little bit bigger. I, I'll just make a spot hidden roll. Or oh, I'm gonna make a spot hidden roll. I'm or looking you for can like use a-, a movement action to just spend time to find something, and then I'll, I'll, yeah. I'd like to do that. All right. You, you, you kind of like spend some time. You look around and you find like a, um, probably like a metal pipe. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, and I think, can I see my comrades through the alley, or they're like I can't even see them. Uh, you can see them. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna stay here, but I've got my pipe ready to throw at a goon. Yeah. And I've got my chair ready to block the door. Okay. And I think that's all I'm gonna do with my movement. All right, you're staying there. Cool. For other, uh, for people that may be watching this, it is to be noted that Irene does have a pistol, and it could be, you know, is a valid uh, <laughs> thing to do with for her to kind of come out to the alleyway and provide suppressing fire, right? Yes, which would cause the goon to have to. Now, this is where I don't know. Like, we may have to take cover as well uh as the goon but so but uh but forcing the goon in the cover maybe would be good uh there as well but you know that's a lot of ways to attack 
attack this uh, situation. Uh, and I'm just bringing that up because like, oh, she made her decision, you know, to do what she wanted to do. But yeah. um, with the tools that you have available, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, but I mean, like, now that you bring that up, like would, you, better idea. would you like to, you have like three movements still left, Irene. So you can go so, in there and like take a shot at him. Here's the question I have. Yep. My pistol only has like a range of three yards. Uh-huh. So would it even be worth it to try to shoot at him? Um, well, if you move to that location, I would allow you to still like shoot at him. Take a pot shot. Yeah. Throw it, let's do it. So I'm leaving the chair behind. Okay. No worries. So you go to like the ed the edge of like the the um so you spend a so you you found the pipe, you move to the, the narrow alleyway, and then you take a shot at the, the goon, right? Yep. Okay, so uh basically uh, the person firing the gun makes a percentile roll and compares the result with their firearm skill. So you're going to do that, Ashley. But before you do that, the target okay. of a shot when you're being fired at cannot fight back and you can't dodge a bullet. But the one thing you can do is dive for color. Uh, dive for cover, sorry. <laughs> uh, by rolling against uh, the dodge skill. So that's what the goon's going to do. Basically, if the dodge roll is successful, the attacker's rolls to hit are made with one penalty die. So uh, we're going to see if the goon succeeds on that. But uh, a character that opts to, dive, uh, opts to dive forfeits their next attack, which would be this guy's movement, basically. Uh, if, they are not, if they have already used their attack this round, they forfeit their attack in the falling round. So he's going to dive for cover, and you're basically slowing him down by doing this. So he's diving for cover. Uh, he does succeed, so you're going to fire but with one penalty dice. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So, did we decide that I'm essentially just rolling two D100s? Yeah, for, for roll 20 purposes, we're going to do two D100s. <laughs> oh, my 20 is still a hard success. Yeah! And your handgun, I believe, does 1d10 of damage? Mine only does 1d6. Okay, so go ahead and roll that damage. Because I have a teeny tiny 25 derringer. Yeah. <coughs> oh. Nice. Five. Nice. So you sink in some damage. Now, I he, I don't think he suffered a wound because it wasn't his... Let's see here. Like a major wound, you mean? Greater than or equal to half their hit points. No. So he, he, he didn't receive a major wound because his hit points were 12. Uh, so he's, he's down to 7 HP. Uh, but that's okay. He he took a he took a nasty hit. He dove for cover, and uh, you still have one uh, more action left. Did you want to do anything else? Uh, can I go back to the door? Yeah, you can do the that. door. Yeah, you like you like find a pipe. You run to <laughs> run to the alleyway. You shoot down the alleyway. You're like okay, bye, and then 
<laughs> you motion towards the door and you just go back in. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, okay, cool. So, I'll move you back, Irene. Uh, okay, so... Now it's the goon's turn. He dove for cover. So it says that he forfeits attack. So I'm basically saying that instead of his two movements, he, he loses one and he still has one other one, which he's going to try to navigate or, or um, well, it says forfeit his attack. Let's see here. No, I'm going to say he can't attack at all because he dove for cover. So I'm going to see if he can at least navigate the, the narrow hallway or alleyway, but no, he does not. He fails. So it's going to take him at least another turn to get through the alleyway. So Hey, nice. Yeah. A lot of time. Well, at least Butcher. <laughs> yep. Butcher, it was your turn. What are you doing with your one movement action? I'm trying to get out of this alleyway. All right, do it. You, you're, uh, you're able to get through it just fine. Uh, I'll make it through the doorway. Cool. You make it through the doorway. You say hi to Irene. You see her with like her, her lead pipe and her, her chair ready to, to close it up behind. So, all right. And now we're up to Dan. Dan, you still have to spend two more movement to get past this alleyway because you failed your roll. So you can at least spend one to start getting closer to the end of that, that hallway or that alleyway, okay? Yep. Is that what you're doing? Yep. All right, cool. Next turn, you'll be able to get to the door. And we're back to Irene. Irene, Butcher's with you at the, at the unlocked door that you shot the lock off and everything. So what are you doing this turn? Again, run back and try shooting at him again? <laughs> <laughs> Do it. That's what you, that's you're quick. You can do that. So run back in and take a shot. Element of surprise. Yep. He is going to dive for cover. He's diving for cover again. So I roll with he the penalty die. Uh yeah. Uh no. Uh he failed his dodge his dodge roll. Hey. So okay, you shoot I'm normal. Yeah. Gonna spend 8 luck to get a success can i do that yeah oh wait no you can't spend luck on on uh like fighting rolls and stuff oh then i miss okay you miss all right that's okay uh you he's can take no cover here's right? the thing you can still you can still yeah he's still he's still wasted his his action you can do multiple shots per turn but at an additional like penalty dice do you know how many rounds are in your your gun's clip Oh, I might not have been able to shoot again. Oh, because you have to reload? Because... Oh. Well, you have movement action, so you can reload, and then... Okay. We'll say I reloaded. Yep. And then I moved. Yep. And then I shot. Yep. And now I'm going to move back. You're moving back. Okay, cool. <laughs> You do so. Well, he still dove for cover. And uh, he's going to use his second action. Uh, so he forfeits his attack. He's going to use his second action to actually move through the alleyway. And he's at the door. 
So he does make it to where where you guys are at in front of Dan. Crap. Yeah. And here we are at Butcher. Now here's the thing. I do want to let you know you're not you're not limited to just like attacking and stuff like that. Like you can use like a like you can like push them through the door if you want to try to do that. Like push them through the door and like and then like lock it up when Stan runs through or however you want to do it. Yeah, um Yeah, I think at this point, then, it, yeah, it would be good to try and knock him down mm -hmm. to buy time for Dan to get through. Cool. Um, now, would that be a draw? <laughs> yes. It would. And let's see. Trade is a regular fighting attack. So he's going to try to fight back, actually here um yeah so that's not so that's just a um here i'm sorry i'm trying to think one fifth is a oh hard excite is it, uh, one fifth is an extreme half is a hard success um so it's it's a hard success okay right he got he got a normal success so he doesn't win his fight back so you you win and and what are you trying to do, Christian? What is Butcher trying to do? Um, so I'm basically I'm I I'm trying to just like throw him uh, down uh, like against the wall, basically, um, on the other side of the alleyway across from the door. Boom! You do so. He gets he gets thrown back, and he's uh, he's he's on the other side of the door, kind of on his butt right now, trying to like recover and get up. And it's Dan's turn. Gonna keep on keeping on. All right. The... You 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 make it to the past the locked door. You like run past it, and Irene's like waiting right there. Um, and in fact, Irene, it's your turn. Your comrades are safely on the other side of the the unlocked door. I shove the um chair underneath the door handle. Yeah. And. Actually, can I, um, before I do that? Yes. Can I throw the pipe at him? Yes. You're, you're going to have to do a throw roll, but you can throw the pipe at him. I would like to do that. Oh my gosh, I got to look up how much okay. damage this does. <laughs> so, while you do that, yeah, I guess I'll have you multitask, maybe. Um... I do have a question. Um, I don't know, or I might have missed if we went over it. Are you able to like ready an action? So like, like off of a trigger, like a reaction type thing, like using an action, but for later. So like, say like Irene on her turn, if it wasn't her turn again, yeah. like, but previously on her turn, she said like, once everybody gets, gets, gets through, I want to just, bar this door mm -hmm. so like it wouldn't have to be her turn for that just to trigger um happening anyway right like it wouldn't yeah. have to get back to her like are you able to do that at all in the in the rules or is that because like in in like D, D, obviously you have spells and you can actually like have triggers for those and like you know ready ready things so you know 
yeah. doesn't have to be on your turn. No, and that's a fair question because like D&D has that. D&D has like a ready action that uses your reaction uh, to like perform that, right? Whenever something right. happens. Yeah. And um, from what I've read in Call of Cthulhu, there's nothing written in the rules that does that. Because there's no like reaction type of 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 um, action in the action economy in Call of Cthulhu. Um, I certainly playing Call of Cthulhu. Like if I was the DM, I would or uh, keeper of arcane lore. I'm sorry, keeper of arcane lore. Uh, babe. I I certainly would allow that, especially if like like Ashley like Irene had all these uh, extra. Uh, like actions and stuff like that I'd be like yeah like you're preparing for that when everybody runs through especially if it's like the like the end of like a chase scene absolutely I feel like that'd be fine but rules is written there doesn't seem to be any kind of like writing action type of uh thing so okay no um I Ash succeeded you succeeded okay um just a regular success yeah I'm gonna say he's gonna try to dodge nope does not dodge <laughs> i hit him with the metal pole then yeah so here's the thing <laughs> it looks like a thrown rock is a d4 where a thrown spear is a d8 right so like yeah. i want to say that like a thrown like metal pipe is like a d like a d6 that seems fair Look to me different. Yeah. I'm fine with that. All right. That is the same as your gun. <laughs> Which doesn't feel right. <laughs> but we'll say, we'll say. I mean, sure. if it hits the head, like, I can, you know. Yeah, I can knock him. A concussion or something. That's just one little damage. One little damage. I wasn't a very good thrower, but, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, throw him, it hits him in the arm, and he goes, ah! And then you, you, you use the rest of your movement action to, to, to lock up the, the door. door. Yeah. And that's two. And then I'd like to use my next two to go to the next location. All right. You go to the next location. Now, since you have one more action left, I do want to let you guys know um, how 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 it's resolved, how these chase scenes are kind of resolved is really up to the keeper, which is really, really cool. It, it literally says um, in in the book on page 141, the pursuer can continue chasing the fleeing characters so long as the location or direction of travel can be identified. Each chase is unique with its own string of locations, so keeper judgments must be made about points where the pursuer might lose their quarry. So basically, it's up to me whether or not, like, oh yeah, reasonable, you're able to get away. Um, there's also hiding. So, like, hiding, uh, you can do, like, a hiding roll to kind of, like, get away and and be ashley i is the is the speakers going is it coming out the computer or is it going in your headset i thought it was for me it's coming in my headset it is oh i thought i heard an echo okay never mind um but yeah hiding is the very same thing where you can basically hide and kind of get away so for example ashley irene is in a warehouse with tons of barrels and boxes at this next location I'm going to let you know, it'd probably be very easy for you to hide in these boxes and barrels and get away. I would like to do so. So go ahead and, and make a stealth roll. Uh, I feel like that's going to fail. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 
If it is, can I push it? Uh, you can, but you might cause a noise so loud if you fail that this might not be the best hiding place for you. Like by smashing, like breaking a box or something. So can I also choose to just be like, ah, I couldn't hide this turn and I'm going to try again next time? Yes. I'm going to hold then. That's that's why, like, that's why we, we talk about, like, what are the potential outcomes and, like, failures of, of right. like, push rolls, right? And the, the potential outcome is you get away. Right. But the failure would be that you can't hide here anymore. You'd be bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why I was saying that. But, you know... The goon is behind a locked door. Let's let's see what what he kind of does. So it's his turn. He's at the locked door. He's gonna attempt to uh to to like knock it down. So how these rules work is that the door has a certain amount of hit points, and I'm trying to find that here real quick. A door. Let's see. Standard back door. Strong domestic external door. Fifteen hit points. So he's going to try to, like... A lot of hit points. Yeah, he's going to try to slam into it. Let's see. Is it buffed, though, because it's got the chair yeah. blocking it? Uh, we'll say he has 20 points, then. 20 hit points. Um, let's see. Whether it's kicking down a locked door or rambling through a road of blocks, sometimes brute force solution. No attack roll is required for each point of their build. Uh, vehicles inflict 10... Okay, so no... No... Uh, no hit point, no uh, roll is required. And I'm just saying he's going to just use his shoulder. So he just does 1d3 plus his build damage, his damage bonus. Oh, he rolled four. Uh, he's probably, he's probably like a build one. So 1d4. Okay. 1d4 plus 1d4. He does four damage to the door. It 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 bolsters it like uh, sh shakes a little bit, but it still it still has a ton of HP. So, um, so yeah, uh, Dan and and Butcher on the other side hear the door buckle a bit, but it still still seems to be holding strong. So, Butcher, what are you doing on your one movement action? <coughs> um. Hmm. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up against the door and hold it myself as well. And oh. Tell, tell Dan, go ahead. I'll hold him off for as long as I can. All right. All right. So, All right. Dan. Dan. See ya. <laughs> you run and you get to the warehouse. All right, we're back to Irene. I'm going to try to hide again. Hide. <laughs> I am successful that time. Boom. Irene, you escape from the chase. So I'm going to put you up here. You're 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 well hidden. The goon can't find you. So you're good. <laughs> You stuffed yourself in a barrel. Yep. <laughs> <was> a barrel. <laughs> <coughs> All right. So the goon uses both of his actions to attack. Um, and he does 10 damage to the door. So it's starting, it's starting to falter. It's starting to not look good. 
And you're you're bracing it, Butcher, but you can feel that like the door ain't gonna last much longer. So mm. Butcher, it's your turn. <laughs> All right. Um at this point I'm gonna run. All right, you run. You you get <laughs> to the warehouse. Got away. Yeah. Yeah. Now you and Dan are at the warehouse. You look at each other. Dan, what are you doing in the warehouse? Are you uh, there's another location you can go to or you can try to hide in here? No, I'm gonna keep running. All right, you run. You get to the coastline. And I'm going to say at this point, it's going to be very hard for the person to track you. So as long as you move one more location, which would probably just be up or down the coastline, uh, you escape. So now that you're here, you can kind of you can kind of see that. So next turn, you can just get out of here. But um, but yeah, Irene is out. <laughs> yeah, I made of sand. <laughs> Then they could definitely track you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The goon uses both of his actions to break down the door. So the door is no longer standing, but he hasn't he hasn't moved to the new location yet. So so butcher, it's your turn. Um <laughs> So would my so were you basing the the high or hiding off of like stealth? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. I think it's best for me to run. Okay. <laughs> I'll move you to the coast as well. Same rules as Dan. All right, Dan. Are you just gonna run up the coast and escape? Yep. <laughs> okay, you do so. <laughs> <coughs> uh irene now it's it's uh it's the goon's turn he, he he moves one two gets to the coast he's he's in pursuit of you but butcher it's your turn so he could can i swim away can he track me i jump in the water and get i'm, I'm gonna say if you try to swim away if you if you make a successful swim roll then you get away oh shit there is a swim yep. skill yep. <laughs> <laughs> of course i should have known uh let's just do it for fun all right let's hit it <coughs> oh success yeah <laughs> You you jump into the ocean. It's like kind of a high cliff, so you jump off and you dive into the ocean, and he loses you in the waves. He kind of like goes off and he tries like maybe he leashes a flu shots into the ocean, but you get away, and you guys survive the chase. You get away from the goon. There you go. So I feel like we're all separated though. Yeah, I mean like a chasing can be like. What were you gonna say, Christian? I, I was going to say, you know, that that's where that's part of the story of the chasing, right? Like we have to just weave it into what comes next, which is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Like uh, making up reasons about how you guys like reconvene or meet up later. That's like that's the thrill of it, right? Like you don't know what's going to happen in Chase, especially because like. Mm -hmm. As you can see how this set up, it, it provided a lot of tension for Dan and Butcher or uh who were trying to escape this goon who was already faster than them. 
So it was a lot of Irene trying to like running back and trying to help you guys as you're trying to escape. And that's kind of like the tension of like what it is. Like, like if you, if Dan and Butcher weren't like slower moving characters, this whole chasing wouldn't have happened. But because your characters are a little bit slower and the goon is faster, that's why this whole sequence kind of happened. And so that's how we kind of play it out. So hopefully that made sense to everyone. That makes so much more sense after playing through it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I did think it was kind of funny. Like, Irene could have just ditched y'all, but. She stayed behind. She didn't. Yeah. Okay. So. She played it smarter, but it worked out. Yeah. And we spent an hour kind of doing that. I, I, I wanted to kind of cover, like, vehicles and stuff like that, but I can just kind of go over some some simple rules for that for you guys real quick, because vehicles work very much the same way with just some minor differences. So, essentially, I'm going to scroll down a little bit, and as you can see here, there's, like, we have a 13, 14, 15, and 16. And with vehicles, like, they have a movement rate, too. I think when we were discussing, like christian and 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 justin's car we, i think we said uh christian's pickup was a 14 while while uh justin's uh leo's car was like a deluxe so it was like a 15 movement rate so that would have been the same thing at the beginning you guys do a drive auto roll and depending on whether you get an extreme success a normal success or a failure you could be plus one movement or minus one movement so very much because justin just has a faster car if you guys got normal successes, then like Justin just would have sped away and Butcher would have been wouldn't have been able to keep up. But I would have ruled it still how it already happened, right? I would have ruled it like, oh, well, the location isn't that far away. So you guys would have ended up there like regardless. Um, Especially because like there's only one way to get there. It's a small town. And yeah. also for plot purposes, Butcher needed to be present with the party at yeah. some point. He's a party character, so he he plays yeah. by different rules. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. just like um but just like uh in like a in like the chasing above, there's obstacles you guys would face. So like there's hazards. So like is that a dead cow? It's supposed to be a live cow, but I could only find what looks to be like a laying dead cow. So, uh, like, for example, the hazards I was going to have you guys encounter is like a puddle and and a cow, which probably would have just been like drive auto skill rolls, which are it's very much the same. Like it when you're in a car, it's going to be drive auto the entire time because you're in a car and doing that. Right. So. Um, you could also potentially rule it as like a spot hidden if there's like a deer off to the side. Ooh, yeah, spy spying that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because here's some of the differences that are encountered with like vehicles. So it's you remember how like I, Irene and Dan were in, uh, were in the car with Leo and Marvin. You guys get to do stuff in the car as well. So. Uh -huh. You guys only get one one action, but you can either like attack, like shoot out the window, or you can even help navigate. So when you help navigate, um, a couple things happen. Let me let me read the rules for you. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find it real quick. Just passenger options. I just had it. Uh, while I'm looking for the passenger rules specifically, 
I do want to let you guys know one of the things I didn't get to cover too, but like you can use movement actions to approach a hazard cautiously. So for example, if you want to gain a bonus die, you can spend one movement action to gain a bonus die to whatever skill roll you'd have to face for for something. So if Irene was running through that like narrow hallway and wanted a bonus die for her dex roll, she could use one of her movement actions to do that. And now now that I now that I've realized that I should have told you Ashley that you could have spent more mo movement actions to give yourself bonus roll overholes to your stealth for the warehouse. Well, that would have been helpful. I would have done that. I'm sorry. But now I know. Now you know. So Sorry, I'm trying to find. I mean, if, yeah. isn't it the same difference as just being like, I'm gonna roll for stealth. Oh, I failed. I'm gonna roll for stealth again. It's the same difference. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, still trying to find it. There we go. Finally found it. Okay. Passengers do not make a speed roll and do not have movement actions. They may act once on their turn in the deck's order. Typically, vehicle passengers might use firearms or throw things out of the car to obstruct those following. One passenger can assist the driver with navigation, reading maps, and offering advice on how to navigate hazards. If a passenger uses their action to assist the driver in this way, they may make one spot hidden or navigate skill roll. If successful, on the vehicle's next move, the vehicle can accelerate with one fewer penalty die. Thus, the vehicle may advance up to three locations with no penalty die and up to five with one penalty die. Now, for a second, that might be confusing because I haven't gone over acceleration rules yet. So essentially, when you're in cars, here's the cool thing. So let's say Leo go uses his turn. He goes to the puddle and and like uh, uses his skill roll passes and he navigates to the puddle, right? Now, Butcher... You're way behind, and you're a slower car. But mm. let's say you want to catch up to them. In a car, you can. So there's this thing called pedal to the metal. Uh, yep, pedal to the metal. So essentially, you can... Have you not heard of this before? No, yeah. Like I know the term. I just I was making sure that it was called that in the game. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but as normal, a driver can use one movement action to move to one location. A driver can elect to move to two or three locations with one movement action. Any hazards encounter encountered have one penalty die applied to the skill rolls. And you can also move to four to five locations with one movement action. And any hazards encountered have two penalty dice applied to the skill roll. So for example, if you wanted to move to right here, like where they are, that'd be one, two, three. So you'd catch up to them, and you'd only have to face this hazard with one penalty die. Or, uh, if that makes sense. Where normally you just make the skill roll, but if you're, like, flooring it, you get to that in, like, one movement action, just with, like, encountering any hazard with, like, a, a penalty die. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's cool. Yeah. And then, of course, there's they're attacking with cars is a little different. I'll briefly cover it because it's it's a little bit complicated. But remember how we were talking about builds and stuff like that? So essentially, <laughs> let's say you catch up to them and you have like another movement action 
you can ram them. So let's say Leo's car has a five build and your car has a six build. So you ramming Leo's car, how it works is that your build is also health. So you can think of your health of your car if it's a build of six as six D10s. And then Justin's car is five D10s since it's a build of five. And when you ram it, you have to make your checks like normal, like you're normally fighting. But if it's, if it's successful, then your car does 6d10 of damage. So, Christian, go ahead and roll 6d10 for me. Which is a lot, I know. It's fun. 24. 24. So, essentially, you take that number and round down to the nearest 10. So you do 20 damage, which is like for each point of build is, is, is two build points. So Justin's car goes from a five build down to a three build. So his, his car is looking pretty hurt, right? Because you rammed into it. However, you don't get off scot-free. You take half that damage to your own car, which it would be 12, which will only be one build point damage. Does that make sense? It's a little complicated, but you can kind of think of these rules as kind of like, because it's a construct, it's a little bit different. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then, uh, of course, like, let's say instead of you catching up to them and you passing the, the puddle, you actually fail the puddle and you skid out and you crash. There's actually a whole thing for that, too. So, essentially, there's a chart uh, on page... Um, uh, uh, 147 of the Keeper Handbook, where it talks about minor, moderate, severe, and mayhem, and roadkill incidents. And let's say if you just kind of like slip on the, the, the water and you kind of crash into a tree, or let's see, like, let's see, a moderate incident is hitting a cow or a large deer, uh, whereas like hitting a tree or a lamppost would be a severe incident. So I'm going to say, okay, you, you, you slip on the water, you crash into a tree, um, that severe incident is 1d10 of build, <laughs> uh, which is a lot. Uh, so, uh, go ahead and roll 1d10 for me, Christian. <laughs> Seven. Okay, so that'd kill you, basically. Uh, let's, let's redo this. Let's say, instead, you, you run into a ditch, right? You, like, you, like, slip and you run into a ditch. So let's just say it's it's a minor incident and do 1d3 for me and then it's minus 1. So 1d3 minus 1. So actually it's it's you rolled a 2 uh and then what's uh Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. I thought it was minus 1 build. No, that makes sense. So you only take 1 build damage. So your car only takes like one build damage and then you can just kind of get back on the road and, and keep on going. So that's kind of how that works, essentially. So um, but on top of that, you would take the same amount of damage as well to yourself, depending on the incident. So since you rolled one D3, you'd also roll like one D3 minus one for your own health for that. So you did build damage, you would do it for your own health. So you'd roll the same amount of dice for that. And then you roll um like how much it would delay you because failing a hazard while you're driving delays your movement. So you would take two health or two damage from that incident and then run roll one more D3 <coughs> because this D3 
is how many movement actions you're delayed. So you would just be delayed by one movement action. Depending on how much you have, it would take, like, basically it means, like, it's like you getting out of the ditch and then yeah. you getting back on the road and going. So, but, uh, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's that's it for chases. That's 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 all that I wanted to go over for that because, you know, there's a lot of different rules and a lot of complication, but I just want to make sure we are... We were good on chases since I messed up on it, you know, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, yeah. So what do you guys think about those chase rules? And, uh, and then we can kind of roll into what you guys thought about the adventure. For me, the on foot chase rules made a little bit more sense. Um, I think there's a lot more moving parts in the car chase rules, which makes sense. Yeah. Because there literally are other moving parts. <laughs> I think Lots in each car. Quite literally. Yes. <laughs> and then when you have multiple players in one car and you have like the spot hiddens and the mm. shooting behind and things like that, I think that's interesting. Um and I like that there's hazards that's part of it. And um I think it would be It'll be tough to do it the first time you do it, but once you get the hang of it, I think it'll make more sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I definitely would have to reference those rules for, again, well, when we go through those things, especially the car chase rules. Mm -hmm. Um. But a lot of room for kind of role playing and ingenuity within the chase, which opens, like we said, kind of different storylines we may not have expected. Um, and the game very much encourages you not to engage in combat, but but play things out smartly because you can die so easily. Yes. And I do like that, like even with the uh the the keeper of arcane lore um could set up situations where oh if you get if you roll this and fail you might fall into this trap or this ditch but then which then to get out might put you back a location or you know you might be able to unlock this one thing or like if you have you have passed a skill check or see this and maybe you would be able to like get through this location without spending the extra move or uh, this movement that you needed to, to get through this alleyway or whatever. Like you find a shortcut, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can incorporate there on your own crafting this, this narrative as, you know, as the keeper of arcane lore, which is really cool too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of rules just in general, and this is kind of going forward in our overall thoughts, but it's, it's, definitely i think it's cool yeah <clears throat> damn i think it's cool that go ahead oh i was just gonna say i think it's cool that they've even thought about all of these different things for players to do like i wouldn't have thought about ramming my car into the other player's car but yeah i can you can do that it damages uh, your car but you can do it <laughs> and i just really just, gonna... <laughs> just a car it's an imaginary car it's, it's an imaginary car but yeah, Dan, what were you what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, um I think you guys pretty much covered it, right? Like yeah. chase yeah. rules are pretty interesting. Um it's definitely like another 
it, it does a lot to add a point of when you compare Call of Cthulhu to D&D, right? There's not as much combat. Like you have like moments of tension, but it's a lot more role play, right? So this almost adds like a combat-like scenario, um, a point of tension that mm-hmm. wouldn't otherwise be felt. It's uh, a break from the 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 role play heavy uh game that is called cthulhu so i think it's it's a good addition yeah going i think that's a really good point Mm -hmm. sorry what were you gonna say christian no i i I like that point because i remember in D &D, and this is like really the first thing of time i'm playing through our D D session or our campaign and I remember the big thing for me that I said at the end was like, oh, I, you know, there were definitely times why I wanted more combat. And while this isn't a totally fair comparison, because that was like three months and then this was like three weeks. Yeah. But I at least my initial impression of this is that I didn't feel that way with Call of Cthulhu because we did have those tension points and we did have like more than just like, oh, talking to people and maybe like, you know, um, getting information from people and, and, and all of that. We had these tension points with, with um, chasing and with the, 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 the mystery where, you know, finding clues and trying to solve this, uh, this mystery there and, and, you know, the world itself. Right. I, I think um, there's a lot more to be discovered in this game. And this goes into my overall thoughts with it is that if you're a new group looking to play this, play a TTRPG, this probably isn't the best place to start because (laughs) it's so rules heavy and there's so much going on here. But I would say that if you want, I mean, if you want to dive in deep, go for it. But it, it, the great thing about that is that, yeah, it does give you a lot of options outside of combat um so yeah the uh like christian was saying like call cthulhu like the starter set like it doesn't like it's interesting how it kind of like dumbs not dumbs it down makes it simplified and easy to pick up right like like a lot of the the starter set like there's no chase rules in here really and if there are it's super simplified remember what i was talking about with red jake where it's just like ah you roll against his decks if you win it twice then you catch him whereas as you can see what we just played out way more in depth um gun rules super simplified you roll you if if it works then it works there's no like multiple shots or anything like that it just says like ah you do this amount of damage right whereas obviously like what justin looked up with his tommy gun and like doing volleys and stuff like that there's a lot of rules so it's very interesting to see how the starter set simplifies and only includes like the bare minimum to get by which is a lot of like the investigation roles the sanity roles uh some comp the the basics of combat and and then healing right and that's about it so i'd definitely start with that then yeah just like your first hooray yeah but to your point christian yeah it's like it it is kind of cool that like how how detailed it gets like if you want to go hard you can't like (laughs) the rules are there so but i do think i do think like especially if like 
like what we encounter is there was definitely a chase scenario and I wanted to do it justice and I felt bad. I was like, oh, no, like I didn't get the rules correctly. But I like to think that the outcome would have been the same with Butcher getting there, like we talked about earlier. So it ended up working OK. Sure. And that's why I think I would tell anybody new trying it out is like, don't worry. Like if the outcome's going to be the same, like just just role play it how you think would be the best way to do it. So mm-hmm. point is to have fun. Yeah. So. Um, I think one thing that that I wanted to say about Call of Cthulhu starter set versus the Essentials Kit is I really enjoyed the length of the adventure. It was not nearly as long. Um, we were able to play through the adventure in three sessions, right? Yep. Four. Three, so, uh, four with our, our session zero, but yeah. Four with our session zero, but three, three right? right. <laughs> um, but with the essentials kit, we played through that for three months and that didn't feel like enough time. So yeah. it was like 12 sessions and that still didn't feel like enough time to do the whole thing justice. Yeah. Which I think can be intimidating for new players, just as much as being rules heavy can be intimidating for new players. So I think that the starter set strikes a really nice balance between um, the different things because Christian is is right. Like if you're starting with, um, you know, the full game and the full set of rules for Call of Cthulhu, I'd say for brand new people to TTRPGs, you might get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, But starting with the starter set, I feel like is actually really good, if not better in some ways than the D&D Essentials Kit for starting out with TTRPGs because of the length. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it a lot less overwhelming. You know, there's people who are like, I'd never want to play Monopoly because it's a six-hour game, um, and I just don't want to sit down and commit to that. But if you can kind of get that foot through the door where it's like, okay, we can just play this one short adventure. It'll just be a couple of sessions instead of saying, all right, you're signed up for the essentials kit set aside six months. (laughs) Which, yeah. 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 So that's kind of the point that I wanted to make. I mean, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because I definitely noticed that like all these adventures included, there's three adventures included. There's Paper Chase. There is the one you guys played, which was Edge of uh, Darkness. And then there's Dead Man Stomp. And and Paper Chase is estimated to be like one to two sessions. Um, yeah, one to, it's one to two players approximately. Actually, one session is what it estimates to be. Whereas Scenario 2, Edge of Darkness is two to five players, an approximate playtime, one to three sessions, which is what it was, which was three 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 hour sessions. Yeah. And the last one, I think is the same amount of length, Dead Man Stomp. It's it's the same amount of players, which is like two to four or two to five, two to five, and approximate playtime, one to two sessions, which I I believe. So like the only things that take a long time is like, you could uh, edge of darkness. You guys could have done it in one session if you went straight to the farmhouse, right? But you guys wanted to do some research. You wanted to investigate the library, talk to Dr. Henry Armitage, try to get the book. Um, and you came up with some some like 
closed ends and you couldn't get any further, but eventually you got to the farmhouse and did your stuff there. So, um, but yeah, like Ashley was saying, like most of this stuff included, not super like there, it's a good mystery, but it doesn't take a long time, which is still, I think, I think very well written, I think, in my opinion. And I think that's an advantage of the starter set, especially, um, thinking of new players who who want to try out tabletop role-playing games. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it a little bit less intimidating. <laughs> yeah, I, and I guess, like, my statement would even be more valid for new DMs specifically, mm -hmm. right? Because, um, again, it's a lot. Know, definitely start with a starter set, but, like, a DM in any ttrpg like i've only really had experience with with dungeons and dragons starting off and that was overwhelming and felt like a lot of work but, so i can only imagine with you know starting off and call of cthulhu and it's like literally have rules for like everything yeah. you know right like, okay like, you know so being expected to be the expert on all of those i thought i was prepared <laughs> yeah i mean um, and you're great, right? And oh, thanks. Like use you, like they're still like, oh shoot, like yeah, this is this is handled this way, and that you know, it's so it's it's a lot. And that's why I but. try to offload a little bit of that onto you guys, right? Like I I remember when we were getting ready, yeah. I was like, hey guys, just like learn your weapons, because like I I yeah. know some of the weapon rules, but I if you choose a particular gun, make sure you know those rules for that, because like I said, like justin's volleys like that's a whole rule set that i i didn't mm -hmm. go down because i was prepping for the campaign and stuff right so yep yeah exactly i think the other thing i really liked about call of cthulhu as well was the um the setting i think that was super interesting to get to play something a little bit different um because Dungeons and Dragons, which I feel bad that that's kind of the main one that I'm comparing to as well, but that's the main other TTRPG that I've played. But Dungeons and Dragons is very heavy on the fantasy, which is very fun, but it's very nice to have something different mm -hmm. um, and to kind of have this more realistic historical 20s world to play in. Um, it was different. It was really interesting to see all of the research that Justin was doing into his character and historically accurate <laughs> cars and stuff like that. And I think that's something that if you want to go hard into researching your, your historical accuracy, like great, do it. You can do it. But if you don't, I think you can still have fun with it. Yeah. Which, which was what I, I liked because I definitely did not do nearly that much research my research was on stream like did they have transatlantic radio waves in the 20s i don't know let me google it i think it does help with like on the role-playing side this game is good because like in going into D D as as a new ttrpg player it may be harder for some people to feel like they can accurately or, you know, what seems to them accurately role play within a fantasy environment, unless they're very familiar with the genre. Whereas 1920s, you know, I can like, like Ash said, I can Google basically anything about that. Just use that as my basis for my role play. Right. So yeah. it could help 
you know, more role play centric players or people that want that experience there. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. much more expansive. I mean, it's so much you can do with it. <laughs> well, it's apples to oranges, you know. I mean, yeah. one's fantasy, yeah. one's 1920s. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Very different. I think the one thing that I really appreciated, which was kind of like an off screen thing that I don't know if we super addressed or not. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, but Call with Cthulhu, like the Cthulhu mythos was written by that one guy. H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, yeah, I mentioned it at the beginning. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so I'll bring it back up again. Yeah. Um, But H.P. Lovecraft was like a dick. A racist. Like he was a super racist, not good person. Nope. But he did create some really cool shit with the Cthulhu mythos. Cool mystery. And what I... Yeah, and what I appreciated with um, the the role-playing game, the tabletop RPG, um, was that they were like, hey, we know that the guy that inspired all of this was, like, not cool, and we're not cool with racism, but we think that we can appreciate the fantasy world that he created still acknowledge that he was not a cool person and move past it and still take the good from it, which I thought was a cool way to approach it. Yeah, it definitely, it doesn't sanitize it, right? Like it specifically is just like, look, we don't agree with this. Like we want to acknowledge this. Like, here's what we've taken from it. Like it's, it specifically says like, um, in spite of Lovecraft's distasteful racism and outdated personal views, we can find inspiration for gaming in his fictional creations. And instead it chooses like, like to look upon like the Cthulhu mythos, not as those outdated views, but as like, like, um, that he further imagined the fundamental truths of the universe were so alien and horrifying that mere exposure to them might result in madness while humanity might crave both comfort and truth only one or the other was possible the human mind is an inflexible container and cannot contain both cosmic truth and complete sanity more of one poured in must spill out more of the other which is kind of like the central theme of it and i think that's a really good thing to kind of like you know like not like accept what he his other views but take kind of like his inspiration from his creation right so absolutely mm-hmm. well yeah and speaking of uh cosmic mythos oh go ahead dan <laughs> let us remember him for the king that he was not for, or the, king not jelly, the jelly bean yeah oh my god <laughs> and not for the jelly bean he actually was that's so screwed up. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! That is making me deeply uncomfortable. To, to, to be fair, I, or related to that, I started watching Solar Opposites. Ooh, yeah. And if you guys haven't, I recommend it. Anybody that are that is fans of that Rick and Morty reference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the first two seasons. It's great. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, speaking of Cosmic Mythos, what do you guys think of the mystery? And, like, because you guys got a lot of red herrings, specifically the the De Vermis Mysterii. 
book that you try to get from Dr. Henry Armitage and a few other things, but also like, what'd you guys think of like the creature, like the lurker and stuff like that and, and everything that kind of came with that? How did, how did, how did approaching the farmhouse go? What was like your overall thoughts on the research, the mystery and the completion? I thought it was interesting that the research kind of you didn't need to do it. Yeah. Like you yeah. could have just showed up to the farmhouse with the information from We got disconnected. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Like completely from Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, it's been loading. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna restart OBS, and then we'll hop back in. Okay. All right, and we're back. <laughs> Didn't even have to close out OBS. Sorry, guys. I don't know what's going on with uh, our internet and OBS, but that's why we keep saying we need it. We need Marvin. We need we need our Marvin. Uh, radio engineer back so we can make sure we're <laughs> we're up live and doing just fine. But Ashley, what were you saying about the adventure? The research. You were talking about how you didn't even need to do it to get to the farmhouse, right? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you could just take what you got from that box in the hospital scene and just go to the farmhouse and use the clues from the box to find the information in the house. To do the exorcism. I think what might have been interesting was. If it wasn't that easy. Mm -hmm. If we actually did need to. You know. Do some prep. Like, want to do the ritual or something like that. Right. And like that ritual was incorrect. We needed to go to New Orleans or something. Um, which also thinking of it as a starter set. It makes sense that it's not that involved with all those extra steps in the middle because that's not going to get done in one to three sessions. Um, so that was actually going to be what I was going to tell you guys is revealing the, the keeper curtain a little bit. Um, it specifically says that it's written that way for new players who maybe don't know to do research. You know, I gave you guys hints like, hey, you guys can go to the library. That's a thing in this game. But like it's written that way as a starter adventure to just kind of be like if if they don't if they don't get the clues, they just go to the farmhouse. Well, everything's there anyways. But no, they can still figure it out. Yeah. But like, no, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I think it would have been more interesting to see like what kind of like, I don't know what kind of benefits you could have got from from doing research other than yes. just finding stuff out, right? It you mostly just got backstory on Marin Allen and like other stuff that way in the sarcophagus, but like nothing really to help you do that would have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it would have been helpful if there was a way to do research to find out you need to do the ritual at midnight. I think that was skipped yeah. over. I think I yeah, go ahead Christian. Well, yeah, like I kept saying, it was like I, I kept or I had said before, I kept ex um, expecting some sort of like clue, like regarding the moon or something to that. Right. Like, you know, that like. 
something narratively where like the moon will shine and and then a light will come through a skylight right where the circle or you know the um uh the pentagram supposed to be drawn right yeah something to that effect it's like okay we need to do this at a certain time we know it's night we knew full moon often gives a lot of light the skylight's here we draw it you know things like that right like logically kind of yeah uh if we miss that then well that's i guess our fault no it wasn't written in (laughs) okay because like that was the thing that i noticed as i was reading because i get all the d the the keeper notes right like i get all the back scene stuff so i'm like i read like the clues i give you but then i'm reading all this other stuff and i kept mentioning like specifically at midnight has to do at midnight do it at midnight and like it wasn't until we started playing it out that I was like, did the journal mention that it's supposed to be at, at midnight? Did, did the yeah. did the sheets of paper? There's nothing that the players were told that said it had to be at midnight. <laughs> we could have tried it at noon. Yep. So. And I think, Christian, I think that would have been a great way to do that, right? Is to have like a mini puzzle in there talking about the ritual and being like, oh, we waited till the moon risen, like and like shined in on on like at at a certain point. Like that would be a cool way of like writing in there of like not saying it's midnight, but like alluding to doing it at midnight. Alluding to it. And and you know, like the moon is at the highest point in the sky or some shit like. Right. Boom. And a very cool thing to breadcrumb into that, right, is like, okay, we went into town, right? Yep. What if so some some of the party members went into a shop as a keeper of arcane lore, you know, you're prepared for that. You could as they enter, you could make it a thing where they overhear the conversation of like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be a full moon tonight. Like, it's going to be very pretty, you know, or just like two yeah. shopkeepers talking amongst themselves and like, oh, hey, like welcome you know things like that and and then that kind of just like at the end would be very rewarding because we like oh wow we did you know that's right like they did say that like we should it's it's all within the world and it's all happening according to to the narrative right so so if you're if you're a keeper watching this and about to run edge of darkness uh take christian's advice and and uh throw in that NPC line when they stop in at Ross's Corners. So <laughs> breadcrumb that in there. Breadcrumb yeah. that in there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, like, and that's something I definitely would have like, you know, now playing it through, if I were to play it again, I I would do that, right? Like, I would definitely write that in there and, and know for the future. For a lot of these, for what we've done so far, I try to play it as close to the adventure as, as possible, just to kind of get that full experience and everything. But I think personally, as a as a, a a game master, I like to kind of break script a little bit sometimes. So, <laughs> sure, yeah, and ultimately, you know, it's that's that's definitely afforded to you. And that's part of what makes it fun, right? Yeah. Um, your freedom to do that based on the party's decisions and you make it your own, your your group's own game. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what do you guys think of the creature? The lurker? Sufficiently spooky. Yeah. I was um, wondering if we'd ever actually see it and I was glad that it kind of 
Because I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, this exit, we're just going to do the exorcism and it's just going to be easy because we're doing it right. We didn't open the attic door, but it wasn't easy. I mean, I thought that was super interesting that it caused the characters to see stuff. Like Butcher saw his his deceased wife and lost his shit. I love that. Um, Great, great role playing, Christian. Great job. (laughs) that it's not written that he has to nope nope it, it specifically is like the only thing that happens is you guys are in control of your characters you can use the psychology role to see past its disguise but whatever you want to do is what you do so it yeah be- yeah go ahead well yeah i mean and it felt in the moment that based on my trauma you know or or something that i or, or butcher had not gotten through you know, fully, yeah, um, fully healed from. It felt right that, like, you know, he was a bit compromised there, and he lost, and and I rolled poorly, so I was like, you know, like it makes sense for me this to is- take this thing and just kill this homeless man. Yep. <laughs> to, you know, hope that stab Red Jake. He, yeah, he, that the monster would like come <laughs> through and like delivering my wife for some reason right but i'm in, i'm like insane right now or like being controlled right now right so yeah. oh yeah i forgot we murdered a homeless guy butchered butchered it butchered it yeah it's funny because it actually describes like the lurker as like the lurker may be able to grant some of these whispered bribes but is unlikely to carry through with its promises in this capacity it does fit the classic role of din din like uh gin like beings do, and then it's it poses the question do the investigators listen and accept the bribes or do they do they continue on and complete meriwether's dying wish so it kind of makes sense that the one guy who didn't hear meriwether was like the one who kind of broke it too so yeah <laughs> uh so funny enough you guys um there, you know, you guys, you guys went through the ritual pretty quickly and you were fine. Like we kind of talked about like nobody really took any damage. That was because like how it's kind of written out. It says like a person can complete the ritual in like two hours. And it says like it takes eight magic points to like do the ritual. So I calculated it out and I was like, OK, if it takes two hours to do the ritual, how long would it take? And I decided how I did it, and this is what I did personally. I did it, I divided it into five minute increments, and I found if eight points was divided into five minute increments over two hours, that meant like over five minutes, you donated about one third of your magic point for it. And it specifically says in the rule book, like, hey, if more investors investigators are doing it, then the ritual gets done faster. So that's how I decided to do the round by round thing at the end. And um, I think if I would have done it again, I think I would have made things happen a bit quicker because it does say like the first 20 minutes, like nothing happens and then stuff starts happening. And since I was doing it by five minute increments and you guys were doing the chant and stuff like that, that meant like half the ritual was done by the 20 minute mark. (laughs) So, um... I think I would have stepped things up a little bit than how I did it. I think I think the the round by round because it doesn't really tell you what to do round by round. It just says like, oh, they do it in two hours, but if there's more people doing it, they do it quicker, and it takes eight magic points and stuff like that, right? But it doesn't say it doesn't break it down round by round. 
So I did that myself. So I think if I would have done it over again, I probably would have sped things up a little bit to make things more tense for you guys. But once again, the reason why the bear didn't get inside the building and the reason why the zombie didn't get inside the building and the reason why you guys were like, ah, I'm just going to keep chanting, that's it's written this way, I think, because it's a starter set adventure, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Because they they specifically say like uh, the guy the things can't get inside if the, the 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 sigils are there like they can try to rip them down but they're not allowed to go past them. So one of the things I was gonna do that the adventure does say is like oh have the lurker throw in a dead raccoon and have it run around and do stuff. So <laughs> I was gonna do that but you guys did the chant really quickly so I just kind of ended it from there. But um but which isn't on you guys that's on me. Um. Well. But I would say there's two moments that were really close to having you guys d d die or things go south. And the first one was before you guys went into the basement. I think it was Leo, Justin's character, who wanted to go up into the attic. And let me just tell you, if you go into the attic, you have to do a dodge roll. And if you fail, you take 1d8 plus 1d6 points of damage from the lurker as it like a runs over and like attacks your head and then you take another d3 from falling which if you guys are 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 realizing that that can kill your character right off the bat yeah, in one, one round so there was a and so i wasn't sure if you guys were ready to have your characters die so that's how i i i'm not sure if you guys know but i had red jake kind of be like ah oh, you're going to go up there it's still there right and then, and then everybody was like, "Ah, oh, we're we're not gonna go up there." <laughs> um, let's find that chest that they were talking about. Right, with right. All the ritual shit. Uh, the other moment was specifically. It says if there's any combat that happens, um, next to the pentagram, it says call for a luck roll, and if the luck roll, f if the luck roll fails, then. The 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 pentagram breaks and the lurker is set free. Shit. And if you remember when Re when you stabbed Red Jake, when Butcher stabbed Red Jake, yeah, I called for a luck roll, but I ruled it that since he was he was on the lurker side, that it didn't his luck would have been to free the lurker, but he failed it, so it kept the lurker there. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that roll. <laughs> So that, those were those were the key moments that I like me being the DM yeah. was like, oh, this can go south oh, really quickly. All going to die now. Yep. Because I think we got pretty lucky. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think so. So I, I just want to let you guys know, as I'm kind of revealing this curtain, that there there was a few moments where things could have been really bad. So. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you kind of think of like the lurker and the mystery and everything? What was your kind of thought? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was really cool, right? Yeah. Um, just yeah. one one monster, you know, that is able to spawn these other monsters and create all this other stuff, you know, and that's just one monster from the mythos, right? Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, I'd love to see like a mystery where there's just like you know, a couple monsters, right? And you're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you oh, know? Oh, like, oh, there's oh. a lot of chaos. And, um, you know, I went into this kind of expecting my character to die, right? Mm -hmm. And 
I think the you know the same starter thing. set made it pretty easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but I could see how even on the starter set, like there's potential to lose it all. Mm-hmm. So um I don't know. Yeah. I'd love I'd love to try a more challenging version of this. All right. I agree. Well, I mean, uh maybe we'll bring back our characters for for another round and we'll do another one of the adventures, you know. I definitely think with like how everybody's like decked out, uh I think that the Dead Man Stomp would be a really cool adventure for us to do. But because uh, that takes place in Harlem and kind of like the city and has like a cool like Cthulhu-esque mystery, which is really interesting. But uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, did anybody have any uh, final thoughts before we kind of close out our stream? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, not at the moment. I think overall I enjoyed playing Call of Cthulhu, would play again, would be interested in playing a more complicated version. Yeah. So I guess not necessarily like more complicated, but I guess like playing like the game, not just the starter set. Yeah. Which is the job that a starter set's supposed to do, right? Exactly, so. right? Get yeah. you enticed. Makes you want to play the real thing. I think it was successful in that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Uh, Ashley, do you have the attributions ready for us to kind of... Question for you first. Go ahead. So as the keeper of arcane lore, yeah. how was your experience running the game compared to other TTRPGs you run? What would you say to new um GMs as yep. they're considering running the game? Um I loved it. I loved running the mystery and like having characters on the edge of depth is a very thrilling experience. Um, I would, I would say for new keepers, uh, don't get gung-ho about killing people. (laughs) It'll happen on its own. It'll happen on its (laughs) own. It will. Like, I mean, like our adventure, I, I think I gave you guys a lot of hints because it was our first time playing, right? Like I wanted to let you know all the mechanics and things you can do that's written into the adventure. Mm -hmm. But I think if we return to this, I, I think I would just let you guys do your own devices, right? Like training wheels off at that point yeah yeah so um i think like at, at if we were to do like the dead man stomp or whatever i would i would just let you guys yeah i, w- I would kind of let you own your devices so i think newer newer keepers just let people know everything they can do i i think the biggest thing that most people are challenging and the reason why edge of darkness is written the way it is right just go to the farmhouse and do that is because most people don't think about doing research right if you come from D&D, you don't research the monsters before you go out and fight a beholder, right? Like, you just figure it out as you're fighting it. That's mm-hmm. not what you do in Call of Cthulhu. In Call of Cthulhu, like, going to the library could be, like, saving or ending the world. <laughs> Which no, sounds silly. Hours. Yeah. Get but, your library card, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's one of the things as I was kind of, like, exploring and learning stuff is that, like, Having having people uh, who are diverse, like a diverse skill set to kind of like cover all the angles is really important. But like also like thinking like it's real life, right? Because it is real life. It's 1920s. Like it may be society set 100 years ago, but a lot of the the 
modern day conveniences are still pretty similar to back then. You can call the police. You can report a crime. You can uh, phone up people across the world and ask for information, which is pretty cool. Um, so my first thing is definitely like give hints to your players of what they can do in this game that they can't do in other games, such as research or or other like effects and stuff like that as kind of like tr like helping them kind of understand how Call of Cthulhu works. Um, I think definitely prepping your 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 players though that their characters may die and probably will die is also very key because a lot of people get very attached to their characters, right? Um, it seemed like everybody here was a very good sport and was ready for their characters to die at any point in time, which is great. I can't say that most people are like that, <laughs> which is fine. But um, this is just that type of horror game, right? Um, lastly, Call of Cthulhu has a lot of rules. We talked about it earlier, but like, if you don't know something, don't worry. Just play it out how you think it should be, whatever you think would be the most fun, and then correct it later. Like, like you don't have to rewrite the rules or history. Like, just like do what we did today. Like, I explained how the chase rules were in a hypothetical scenario, but like we didn't do it right when we played it, and that's fine. Like, Call of Duty has a lot of rules. It's fine. Just like. A lot of rules may break down the game. Just simplify it and try to play it out how you would. But yeah, those are the main three things I would say is like help help them do the research, prep them for when they die, and don't complicate the rules. Just just have fun. So, well, yeah. So, good luck, keepers. <laughs> awesome. So um, for attributions, we were using the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu starter set. Um, we also were using the online platform Roll20 um, to play in. And then we created our characters in Hero Forge. Um, so thank you to all three of those resources. They were lovely. Um, Please consider supporting your local game stores and bookstores if you can, if you're interested in getting your own copy of Call of Cthulhu, uh, the starter set, 7th edition. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, do we have any questions in the chat before we sign off? Let me look. Nope, no questions, unless they put them before. We've been disconnecting a lot, so we might have lost the questions. If that's the case, we're sorry. Please, please message us. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. Um, we'll be back next week. We're doing a one-off called Frankenstein's Failed Creations. Right, Ashley? I think that's what it's called. Something like that. Okay, cool. I'll look up the, the real name right now. But it is a one-page RPG that we're doing. So uh, we're just going to play until we feel like it, it's done. Frankenstein's failed experiments. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So essentially, we're, we're little little experiments that, that Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein made, and we're breaking out of his lab and, and, and getting to it. So uh, join us next week as we play this fun little one-page RPG where we're doing some wacky stuff for Halloween. Um, but other than that, uh, thank you for tuning in for our Call of Cthulhu kind of like chase rules and edge of darkness discussion. So um, we'll see you all next week. And uh, until then, keep on learning. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye everyone.